heroes. Highlights and hardships with Triple M's Rush Hour. Here we are, boys, the Hero Highlight and Hardship Podcast, the three H's, and we've got Adam Mad Dog McDougal joining us, obviously from a very successful night side, but also playing for New South Wales and Australia. Mad Dog, welcome to the podcast. It's great to be here, Gus. How are you, mate? Mate, we are very, very well. You played 195 games in your professional career, 92 tries, played for the Roosters, the Knights, the Rabbitohs, back to the Knights again, 11 times for the Blues, 11 games for Australia, including that 2000 World Cup, and, of course, you won a couple of comps with the Knights. Can you talk us through your hero, whether that was on the field or off the field? Who's that one person that you can sort of say was your hero through your life? Um, well, well, for me, it started with my dad. My dad was uh, a footballer himself. He, he played in the famous 1963 grand final in the mud that the premiership has uh, been immortalised around. Um, he actually scored a try in that grand final and subsequently played in three other grand finals, played for his state and, you know, got picked to play for Australia. So, you know, growing up as a kid, you know, I, I was a very privileged child in the sense that um, my dad would drag me along to the footy with him and I'd be sitting in the bar at the, uh, the SCG and I'd be, you know, uh, kicking around a football with the likes of Johnny Raper or Graham Langlands or yeah. <laughs> Bob Football, you know, some of the greats of the game because I'm mates of my old man, not knowing at the time the guys kicking the footy to me and passing the footy were immortals. But, um, you know, I, I just wanted to be, you know, just like my dad. And, you know, I remember running out into the SCG and wanting to touch, you know, some of the players like Wally Lewis, you know, after a game I ran out and got to touch the king. And, you know, they were great days. You'd rush out and try and get the corner post and you'd end up getting, you know, pushed over by a big kid and, you know, clipped around the head because, you know, you, you tried to get it before him. But, um, you know, they were good old days when, you know, the Winfield Cup was, uh, you know, Tina Turner and whatnot. But um, now growing up, my dad was, was somebody I aspired to be. But then when I got into to professional rugby league, um, you know, I, I really sort of found a new role model in the, in the sense of somebody that inspired me at the back end of my career, and that was Kurt Gidley. And, you know, I got to play with, with some of the greats in the game and, not embarrassing him there, but Wendell Saylor is arguably, in my eyes, you know, the greatest outside back. You know, he changed the way that the game was played and, you know, he, he was a dual international and a lot of people say that, you know, we like to hate each other, but it was nothing but respect and gratitude for me in the sense that he made me the player I was because I wanted to be as good as him. So, you know, but for me, the guy that really pushed me at the back end of my career was a guy, you know, Kirk Gidley. He, um, you know, I, I got to play with Matt, who was a superstar and, you know, uh, Dell got to play outside Matt in the World Cup when he won the player of the series and, you know, Matthew was a very talented player, but Kurt, not so. And um, yeah, he was a guy that had to earn everything that he got. Um, but the one thing he, he, he had that no one else had was an attitude that, you know, he wouldn't give up. And every time he turned up the training, the, the gratitude, the excitement, just to be there and just to be part of it, he just left no stone unturned. And it just inspired me to sort of, after football, just to apply myself in the same way everything I did, but that same zest and that same excitement and just gratitude that, you know, yeah, it was just an infectious sort of attitude the guy had. And, you know, he had no right to sort of be anything but a reserve grader. And he went on to captain New South Wales, play for Australia, you know, an outstanding career. And, and it's no disrespect, but he just physically wasn't big, wasn't strong, didn't have the skills of his brother, um, but just had a willingness and an ability to find something within himself, which I found very inspiring. There's one thing I'd say about Newcastle. When you guys trained, it was so hard to play up at Newcastle. But you guys, mate, other than the community, you set a really good standard in the in the training arena. What was that because of the culture of the mining and, and the working class uh, area there? Yeah, I, I think, you know, there's a responsibility, as you know, when you come from a one-town team that, you know, it's something that, you know, you're not 
you, you're not given. It's something you have to earn the right to wear that jersey. And, and that was something at the Knights I was very big on was, you know, being the player that other players want to play with. And that come down to, you know, just working hard, giving 100%, not taking shortcuts. And, you know, the best players were the best trainers by name of state. Whilst Andrew Johns was the best party, yeah. he was also the best trainer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I used to live next to Merriweather Stairs, which is a very famous landmark in Newcastle. And, and um, you know, oftentimes I'd take my, my dog out for a walk at 10 o'clock at night and I'd catch Joey closet training, you know, running yeah. up them stairs in the middle of the night. He'd be the first to training, he'd be the last to leave, he'd be there practising long before and long after everyone else. And he just instilled a work ethic that if you want to be a great player, you have to earn the right to be that great player. So that was something that, you know, was really etched into the psyche of a lot of players. And, um, you know, nothing in life comes easy, as you know, Del. And, um, mm. you know, you certainly learn that the hard way when you grow up in Newcastle. It's a working class town. And you know, people go underground, you know, for kilometres, dig black coal out of the sure. ground, work bloody hard to put food on the table. And, you know, when you're given the opportunity to go out there and play a sport, a game at the end of the day, and get paid a lot of money, if you don't have a dig and you don't sacrifice something, you're you're a bit of a privileged brat in the, the opinion of people up here. Mad Dog, you yeah. mentioned your dad was, uh, you know, your hero early on and that sort of thing. I mean, can you remember, uh, I guess, that moment telling him that you, you're about to debut uh, for your first first grade game? Yeah, look, it was, it was a great moment. And, um, you know, my dad was a really interesting character in the sense that, um, you know, he, um, he was very successful at work and then come home one day and decided that, you know, he wasn't going to work anymore, which was a shock to the family and, was going to spend his time with us because he was spending more time at work than with us. And he decided that the important things in life were family. And at that stage, I didn't really appreciate it, you know, because I was, I was going on 11 years mm. of age and all my mates had really cool Nike shoes and Reeboks and yeah. I had this crappy pair of, you know, K26s. And uh, <laughs> I, was, I was a bit filthy at my old man, actually. I, I was really disappointed he wasn't going out to earn some money and get me a good pair of shoes. <laughs> but now that I look back, you know, what he gave me was his time and his attention and yeah. You know, he really, um, you know, really just gave me the world. So, um, you know, I was never pushed by my dad. Ironically, I remember you know, playing my first rep footy game and I came off and I probably didn't have, have a real big go because the kids were bigger than me and I was playing up a year. And um, my dad was nowhere to be seen when I walked off the field. He was over at the bar having a schooner and I said, you know, how do I go? And he looked at me and he said, mate, you know how you went. He said, I just asked one thing of your son. He said, I don't care if you play footy or not, but he goes... If you're going to play footy, have a go. He said, don't waste my time. He said, I'll give you every single cent I've got. Money, I can make money, but I can't make up time. So if you're going to do something in life, mate, give it a crack or don't, don't do it. Yeah. So from that day forward, you know, I went out there and I, I gave it everything I had. And um, you know, if it wasn't for his wisdom and insights, uh, it would never have been the same. And, you know, the, the greatest moment of my life, you know, without sounding too sort of um, sentimental, was being able to afford to buy my mum and dad a house off my first yeah. contract and, you know, that, that's that's the big thing in sport. You guys know that it allows you to create fairy tales for yourself and it allows you to rewrite your own destiny. And, and you know, it gave me a way to help the people around me and I'll be forever grateful for the opportunity football's given me. Well, good on you, mate. Well, that's obviously a massive highlight to be able to do something like that. That's like, that's fantasy stuff for most yes, of us. Yeah, uh, sure. Fantastic. What about a highlight outside of obviously that one in terms of footy or on the field or off the field? Yeah, What's your sure. highlight in your career? I'd have to be the, the 97 grand final. I remember it's their first kiss. And, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, the first grand final was certainly the, the best. You know, 97 was a, a surreal experience, you oh, know, well. obviously you know, travelling down on the bus to the game with the, 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 the M3 highway just lined with, you know, hundreds of people cheering us on and then coming back and partying with Silverchair, you know, and at the time these <laughs> 15 or 16. So Andrew John's got a lot of answer for them poor kids. But, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> And then, yeah, the Screaming Jets and the Town Hall oh, reception. Wow. 
you know, it, it was a, it was a surreal experience, Gus, to be honest with you. And you know, um, no one expected us to win, and you know, it was a, it was an amazing sort of fairy tale in itself. And um, yeah, I'll never forget that. And you know, the party went for a month, and I'm not a big drinker, but um, <laughs> certainly. I didn't have to buy anything in Newcastle for about two or three years after that. It was pretty <laughs> good. Yeah. Have you seen the same sort of build-up around the, the city of Newcastle with the, the way the current team's been performing, that, that just that momentum that comes? Yeah, like the shops now have got red and blue balloons and, you know, the pastries are back out, you know, the, the bread's blue and red again. And, you know, it's great to see people walking down the streets in their, in their night's jerseys again. And, you know, it's just, a, there's a real excitement. My kids are, you know, too young to understand. They don't even know I play footy, but, you know, they're six years of age and, and um, seven. And, you know, they're even talking about, they're coming home now and talking about the nights, which is great. And, um, <laughs> you know, there's real buzz around, you know, I laugh, but they don't even know I play. It's quite funny. <laughs> it's fantastic. You know, it's a really, it's a really great place to be at the moment. And it's really exciting. And, you know, once again, you know, rugby league is such a great game. It does so much for so many people. And it's great to see, that uh, the Knights are back on, on, the, on the winning list. Yeah, Dukes, mate, you've done in, a lot of in and around the game, some great things. But, mate, what's been your hardship through rugby league? Um, well, mate, life, I, yeah. the injury was obviously, you know, my Achilles heel, as a lot of people say. that um, now Their biggest criticism was of myself was, you know, I missed a lot of footy. But um, at the same time, whilst, you know, doing my ACL was a, was a huge, devastating blow at that stage, you'd just gone over to Rugby Union and, um, you know, I was playing for Australia with you and, we just won a World Cup and, and an Origin Series and, and you know, I, I was going quite well at that stage and really just starting to come into my own as a player and doing my ACL at that age of 24, I, I probably, you know, hadn't really reached my potential. So part of me still to this day wonders just what level I could have got to before I got injured because mm. after I did my knee, I was out for 18 months. The surgeons told me not to play again wow. and never to run it. Um, I wouldn't play again and then um, ironically, I, I come back the next year and got picked for Australia and on the eve of um, playing for Australia, I ruptured my uh, Achilles tendon on the other leg and um, was out for another 18 months and told to go Jeez. and retire. So um, I think them two injuries in that short period of time really took the wind out of my sails and, and sort of left me with that question, always wondering, you know, what could I have done? I wanted to go to Rugby Union and join you and see what I could do in that in that um, code as well. But um, a lot of unanswered questions, Del, but in, in saying that, I'm just grateful for, for the fact that, you know, I got to play at the level I did before I got a serious injury and, you know, whilst every morning I wake up, mate, and I, I still grab that knee because it bloody hurts, mm. um, we all have something to complain about as we get older. Thanks to rugby <laughs> <league>. but, <laughs> but My biggest regret is the fact that I got injured. But at the same time, also the thing I'm most proud of is the fact that I had two surgeons telling me to hang the boots up after both of them injuries, and I managed to fight back, get back on the field, maybe not as the same player, but I certainly got back on the field mm. and, and uh, had a bit of a crack and, and hung around for a few more years, maybe a few more too many than I probably should have, but... Um, <laughs> Certainly, you know, got out there and got to, you know, do what I love the most, which is play football. Mad Dog, does that sort of uh, show a lot to your resilience as a person, you know, that, that sort of ability to fight back and get back to the top level anyway? I think for all of us out there, I, I think, you know, you know, the thing that I'm trying to instill in my kids is that life isn't easy and, you know, life is tough. And, and you know, the reality is, is you know, I, I think what makes people great is, is hardship. You know, the, the best things that have occurred in my life have been the result of the back of the worst things. Mm. Um, it's really ironic. You know, everything I look back at, whether it's been business or whether it's been football, um, you know, or, or just life in general, if I didn't have them hardships, I would never have met my wife. I would never have met the people I met to go into business. Yeah. I, I would never have done the things I've done. You know, if I didn't do my ACL, I wouldn't have ended up at South and met some people that helped me in business. So I wouldn't have made the business I've made now if I didn't go to South. So, yeah, everything happens for a reason. I know it's very cliche, but... I mean, if you're looking for the positives in life, you're always going to find, 
you know, something that, you know, you can do. Rather than being focused on the problem, if you focus on the solution in life, I think um, you're ahead of most people. And I, I think that's one thing that I try to encourage young kids is the fact that, you know, unfortunately life is tough and people are going to die, people are going to get sick, things aren't always going to go your way. But um, you, you can choose, you know, the way you respond to that. You can either give up and lay down or you can get up and fight again and hopefully live another day. And that's, um, you know, that's the attitude I try to take every single day. Oh, Mag- Mad so Dogs, good. great to hear from you, mate, and obviously love all that you've been doing on and off the field um, and what you've been doing lately as well and how generous you are to make sure you look after so many other charities out there with all the success you've had with the Man Shake and the Lady Shake and everything else that's <laughs> going on, mate. Yeah. So congratulations and thanks so much for joining us on the, uh, the Hero Highlight and Hardship podcast. We really appreciate your time. I really appreciate your time and, and I'm just very grateful that you've allowed me to come on and, um, you know, considered me to be someone that's interesting enough to speak to. Oh, so absolutely. Thank you. Good on you, mate. Oh, mate. Always, enjoyed, no doubt. Awesome, Always mate. enjoyed the rivalry with you, mate. Always good. Good man. Mate, I love you, Bill. You know that, mate. So. Uh, it makes two of us, mate, so thanks. Yeah, he loves you too. <laughs> <laughs> See you later, Mad Dog. Thanks, Cheers, Mad Dog. I appreciate your time. Good on you, mate. You too, mate. The Rush Hour with Gus, Jude and Wendell. Weekdays from four on Triple M.